Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989 9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Good morning. Susie Jones in today for Denny Long, who is in California on a wine trip to Sonoma. It is about, well, let's say it's 10 after 10 after 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. We're up a few degrees, 62 degrees. The sun is shining, a light breeze. So, man, a good day to get outside and get to work on your yard. And we are so happy to have with us in studio Teresa Rooney. She is a master gardener, and of course, this is brought to you, this big program, by the by the Yard Outdoor Furniture. I just put out some outdoor furniture the other day. Oh, wonderful. I did. I, I, have, I have the By the Yard stuff, so I get to enjoy it all winter long. Nice. It's beautiful. Okay. I love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so getting in your yard, I know yes. we've been talking a lot about this. We've been getting the old warnings, don't mm-hmm. rake. Right. So guess what I did yesterday? You didn't rake, did you? No, but I did oh, something else. I hate raking. I okay. hate mm-hmm. all forms of gardening. Just oh. So you know. oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't hate it. I'm just really bad at it, uh-huh. and everything dies. And mostly okay. it's because I'm busy and I forget to water. Yep. So, and then things die if you don't water They them. do, yeah. So, yesterday, I was, like, laying in the sun in the uh-huh. backyard. Uh-huh. I was like, I should do something. I shouldn't just, like, not do anything. No, you should not do something. You should just enjoy it. No, I no. got okay. up. Okay. But I got the old lawnmower. Okay. And it's a mulcher. Oh, wonderful. And so I, um, and it started. Uh-huh. You know, I always feel which is so, always good. Which is always good the first time out. And I feel so empowered <laughs> mm-hmm. when I do my lawn mowing because I'm like, yes, I did it. I am woman, <laughs> hear me roar. So instead of raking, mm-hmm. I took the lawnmower mm-hmm. and I mowed the yard. Uh-huh. But I did it in such a way that I mowed and then pulled the lawnmower back and then mowed and then pulled so that all the leaves and crap on ah, my yard, okay. I put sort of in this, where in this, this area. Little, yes, mm-hmm. where the lilac bushes are. Oh, they'll be so happy. Oh, it looks so pretty. Yeah. Yes, yep. it looks mm-hmm. lovely. Now, and I'm watching some of my perennials come up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. Yep. I have, um, I, I've been looking up some of these names because, of course, I can't remember. Well, of course not. No. Ascidiums, those really... Is that what they're called? The sedums? The sedums. Sedums. I have three of those. S-E-D-U-M-S. And they are huge. Okay. Maybe that's not what they are. That's not what they are. Mm -mm. I wish I could tell you, but I'm not very, like I told you. That's okay. So anyway, you can't rake, still can't rake. Right. You don't want to rake if the ground is wet and squishy because then you're going to be pulling up all your grass and you don't want to do that. Unless you want to pull up all your grass, then there's easier ways really to do it than raking. But (laughs) if you want to, you can. You can. Yep. (laughs) What can you do? 
Well, you could be um, cutting back perennials if you want to, the perennials, because they die to the ground. So if you want to, you can get carefully get out there. You can pull back the leaves uh, from the crown of the plants if you put winter mulch over uh, so that they know it's time to wake up. The soil can start warming up. Uh, you can be watching the bunnies eat your tulips <laughs> if you did not uh, fence, which you should have fenced last fall when you planted your tulips or wherever they are. Um, and you can, and just, uh, we don't, probably won't have to be watering um, because we're supposed to get some rain today. But if we're not going to get rain, you may need to start watering if it gets dry. We do have a fire warning out, or right. we did yesterday. Yep. So please don't be burning leaves. Don't be tossing cigarettes out. We don't need wildfires floating around anywhere. And if you're just kind of bored and you can take your little laptop outside or your iPad outside, you could go to extension.umn and sit there with your mint julep <laughs> and um, as we tie these shows together. Right. And, um, and then you can just be, you know, cruising on the extension.umn.edu website and uh, click on the garden tab. And we have a new, um, they just, Michelle Grabowski, uh, she's with the University of Minnesota. She knows a lot about plant diagnostics and everything like oh. that. And she just, just put up a new, um, uh, the title of the article is The First Step to Prevent Diseases in Problems in the Garden. Oh. Um, so it's great. It's a garden blog. It's on the Yard and Garden blog. And it'll help you learn how to choose healthy plants, um, where they are at the garden sale in the local gardens. Because right now a lot of local plants, plant uh, societies are having garden sales and plant sales. So it's a great time to get out there and get plants from your neighbors, uh, get plants to support your local garden center. Um, we also have a Master Gardener uh, Hennepin County plant sale coming up on the 19th of this month. That's a Saturday. And this year we moved it down to the Normandale Community College because the Hopkins Pavilion is under construction. Okay. So we couldn't be fighting with the construction. That would not work. That wouldn't work with the plants. So we're down at Normandale, and that's on the 19th. And those are plants grown by master gardeners. We'll have native plants. There will have a lot of vegetables there, too, and extremely huge numbers of master gardeners just waiting to answer your questions. So go to plant sales, uh, check out um, Michelle's blog on the Yard and Garden uh, blog and uh, to figure out how to buy healthy plants. Great. Let's take, uh, Let's take a call. All right. Okay. Mary is in Richfield. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Um, you said pull away the mulch from the um, plants that are coming through. Do we have to take all those mulched up leaves nope, nope, out? No, nope. you, you don't even really have to pull them back if the plants are already coming up. It's just some people put down a heavier winter mulch to protect the crown of the plants. And you want to kind of pull that back so that the soil starts to warm up and the plants know it's time to wake up. Um, but you don't have to take it off. You can just pull it back a little bit, just leave it in between the plants. And the, all the little microbes and worms and beetles and everything will help that decay into a wonderful compost and organic matter into your soil. So Perfect. Yeah. Second question is, when do you put grub eggs down? Um, read and follow the instructions. And if you're doing it because you um, have Japanese beetles in your yard, the university says don't do it if you're just doing it for that reason. You want to do it only if we have a problem, only if you have a problem with grubs in your lawn and they're destroying your lawn. Perfect. So so, so um, read and follow. The soil has to be a certain temperature, I believe, and just read the instructions as with anything you put down because the label is the law. Good All luck. Right. Perfect. Thank you very much. You bet. Good luck. Bye. All right. We got a lot of people calling, right. as you might expect, uh, because people are – that's the thing about Minnesota. People are just – out of their mind to get out there and start And Minnesotans digging. are great gardeners. I mean, when you consider all the weather we deal with and the 
the timing and the insects and the critters. My gosh, Minnesotas are great gardeners. They really are. We, we're such a flexible group. We, we you know, just whatever comes, we just like, yeah, roll with it. My thing <laughs> is that I was thinking this the other day about the weather. I was mm-hmm. walking my dog. Yep. And it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is such a relief. You know, that it's it finally gotten here. And mm-hmm. I don't think other places in the country experience the same uh, joy. They euph- don't. Euphoria. Because they haven't gone through the, you know, we love that first snowfall. We love those brisk fall days. We love that snap in the air. And then we love it when the spring starts coming. So we get to enjoy all those back and forth seasons, those transitions. And I think that's what makes Minnesota so beautiful. And you see, yeah, you see the buds on the trees and it's just like, and you see the perennials come up. I'm like, how about that? Look at that. I know my squill is coming up. I have a red house. I have white um, flowering apricots out front and blue squill all over the garden. Now, I wasn't going with a patriotic theme, but I realized (laughs) when I pulled up the other day, it's like, whoa, she's going red, white, and blue there. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're thinking about putting new stuff in, Mm -hmm. whether it's a an annual or a perennial right. or what have you, ground cover, you really should know your yard, right? Like look that, at your yard at different times a day. You know, Susie, that's the most important thing or one of the most important things. You have to know the yard. And so if you've just moved into a house, you don't know that yard. You don't know how the light's going to fall. You don't know where the wind goes. You don't know how the water flows. So you really have to know that. And and you just kind of like live with your yard. And pretty soon you'll understand and be aware, you know, uh, consciously look at it. How does the shade go in spring? It's different than spring in the fall and the summer. It's totally different. And so you want to plant, put plants that will be happy there when they're growing and how the sun condition is. And we have a full bank of calls, but before, Excellent. but I have a question for you. Yes. Are there plants that don't matter whether it's sun or shade and they're safe in all conditions? Well, <laughs> some plants, you know, plants can handle a wide variety uh, but your shade plants do okay in the sun, but they can burn. Your sun plants might do okay in the shade, but they won't be as vigorous and they won't flower. So they may not, and they may peter out eventually. So not everything is totally everywhere. All right. So we have to take a quick break, but I okay. want to tell Pat, Jack, Ken, and Rebecca, who are all on the phone. Be patient. Just be patient. Hold on. We'll, we'll take a, a little commercial break, and then we'll come back with your calls here on Smart Gardens on WCCO. Good morning, 823 on a Saturday morning. Susie Jones in for Denny Long. I hope you're waking up, opening up the windows in your house. Forget about dusting. Just get outside and enjoy the weather. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, and it is Smart Gardens, and we've got a load of calls. So let us start on line two and talk to Pat. Pat's calling from, is it Hamburg? Yes, it is. How are you doing? I'm great. Hey, Pat, what can we do for you today? Hey, I have I have a rhubarb question. Mm-hmm. I've got a nice, um, you know, it's always the first thing to come out of yep. the ground. We're quite late this year. Last year, I picked my first batch yes. on the 27th <laughs> of April. Yeah. But it's just starting mm-hmm. to peak. But I have a question. I wanted to, I'd like to expand my patch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I know you can dig the roots up. Mm-hmm. Split them in half with an axe or something or hatchet and then replant. Yep, you, but is, is that something that I should now. have done already? Um, you know, it depends how big they are. I would do it right away. If they've gotten pretty big, I'd wait till next year. Otherwise, They're do like, it right now. And they love a lot of compost, so make sure they okay. have a nice, rich soil. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. You bet. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We're going to go to Jack next. Jack is calling from Andover. How are you, Jack? Very good. Nice 
morning, clouds look like they might be coming in, but uh, I'm getting my garden turned over, rototilled, Mm -hmm. and is there anything special that I could just add to my soil there? It's a pretty pretty good soil. I've added different things to it. I live in uh, Andover. Mm -hmm. And one other thing, I had trouble the last couple of years growing a nice big onion. They get to be about a marble and they don't seem to grow. Anything I should be doing different Um, there? Okay. First of all, you could always get a soil test with the university. That's always a good idea if you're having a soil problem. Compost is always or almost always fine to add. So go ahead and till the compost in. And with the onions, you've got to make sure you're getting long day onions. So you've got to plant the right onions and you've got to get them in early. Um, they, really? they kind of like set their goal how big they're going to be by a certain time in the summer. So they, by that time in the summer when they start seeing that amount of light, that's how, that's how they've already like decided how big they're going to be. So if you okay. wait till like two days before that to plant them, they don't have much time to get very big. So, right. so and what are they called? What long, should I, what are they long called? day. It it seems kind of weird, yeah. And in the south, they grow short day ones, so it seems backwards. Okay, but that's what you want is long day onions. Wonderful, thank you. you All right, Good thanks luck. for the call. Have a great day. We're going to go next to Rebecca. Rebecca is calling from Ramsey, Minnesota. How are you, Rebecca? Very good. Thank you for taking my call, and good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. What can we do for you? Okay, um, I know it's too late to cut down or or to trim uh, oak trees. Yes. But I've just recently um, been told that we have some dead trees mm-hmm. in the wooded area, and mm-hmm. we wanted to clear it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been told you can't do that because of the root structure. Uh, dead trees you can take down any time. Uh, dead can always come out, even out of your oak tree. I don't know if you're going to be um, to be drill, uh, drilling out the the yes, stumps, grinding um, up the stumps. You could do that. Uh, are they oak stumps? You know, you might want to wait. Then um, just cut them flat, and then have the guys come back in the fall or in next spring and drill those out for you, because um, they're in the woods. Unless you need to plant other things there or whatever. But you you don't really don't even have to drill those out if uh, you know well, grind them it's, out. It's an area that the children run through and oh okay well you know you could if they're if they're dead trees you could even leave the stumps up a little bit and I don't know if that would be safe for the kids to play on if you needed okay. to debark them but that could be an option for kids to play on. Um, uh, otherwise, just drill them out just a little bit and then cover the grass, the soil, cover it right away with uh, with with us. Okay, with I had a, a tree trimmer come mm-hmm. out, and he said that because of the root structure, uh, is, um, and you and it extends into another oak tree that's right. close mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. another tree mm-hmm. that it's just like trimming off a, tr- a branch of a, a tree that's live. Um, but but dead is dead, so I I don't you know and and I would I would bow to the um to the to the a certified arborist knowledge on this. Okay, because uh, I was just shocked. Yeah, but um but dead is dead, so I I don't know why they died. If they died from a disease, then those roots that are grafted have already accepted the disease from those plants, and your oh. trees are going to die too. But if they've just died for other reasons and not a disease, then then there's nothing really that's going to go. And there's no motion, so there's no um, no way that that any even if a, even if the, the an insect sat on the open stump, there's no movement of of materials going from that stump to the roots. Okay. So I I don't know I I don't know why that would be a problem. 
Okay, thank you. I'm you glad bet. Good because luck. you want to really start cleaning this up. Yeah, yeah and right. dead, you want to get dead out of there because dead can fall and hurt little children. All right, mm. we've got one that's pretty, uh, probably a, a decent angle that is yeah. ready to go. And, and you know, and it's if it's been that way for probably ten years. Yeah, and so. if it's already dead, you can just cut it where the stumps are four feet high, and then nothing's going to matter, and then just drill them out later. Okay, thanks so, so much. Mm-hmm, you bet. All right, very good. We're going to take Ken, and then we're going to take a quick break. Okay. All right, Ken, you are on with Teresa. Hey, Ken, what can we do for you? Good morning. Uh, I, we, I live in an area that has a lot of oak trees. Yes. And um, we, um, of course, rake up the uh, leaves every year, and the oaks provide a lot of leaves. Mm-hmm. So I've been piling them. We have like two and a half acres, and I've been piling them in the back for sure. like 29 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, this spring I was noticing that it looks like some of the over that period of time, some of the oak leaves have decomposed into a, a soil. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and is, is that good as a That's as a fantastic. That's called leaf mold and, and or compost, and it's fantastic. So that's why you've okay. been piling them up. So go ahead and use that um, around your oak trees, around your plants. That would be wonderful. All right. Okay. Yep. Good luck. Thank Thanks for mm-hmm. the call. Thanks. It is 8.30 now on okay. WCCO Radio, so we'll take a quick break, do a little weather for you. And back with your calls, 989-9226. We've got one line open locally. Also, if you're out of state or out of state, out state, like, you know, Mankato, 1-866-989-9226. We're back after this. It is 835 on a Saturday morning. Smart Gardens brought to you by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. Good day to get that furniture out. My name is Susie Jones. I'm in today for Denny Long. And we have in studio Teresa Rooney, a master gardener, and we're taking your calls at 651-989-9226. If you're out of the metro, it's 1-866-989-9226. Let's go to Larry in New London. Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. Good, good morning. Good morning. Uh, spruce trees, can I trim a few branches off the bottom at this time of the year? If you must, um, they really would like to keep those branches to to um, to shade the roots. But if you need to limb them up, you can go ahead and limb them up, and that's fine. Um, and then just make sure maybe you give them a little extra water because uh, those roots are now be exposed and could dry out. They have a very fine um, matting root system that's really really shallow. So, but yes, you can, you can, and just do the minimal that you need to do. You don't want to take off more than um, a quarter of the entire amount. Uh, this, this is a mature tree. It's probably 30 feet tall. Yep, yep. So if you need to limb up one or two branches, uh, you need to walk under it or mow. Or you probably not okay. mowing because yeah, you can go ahead and do that. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank Thanks. you. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for the call. We are going to go to Brenda next. Brenda is calling today from Plymouth. Good morning, Brenda. How are you? Hi. Good morning. I'm well. Um, I planted decorative grasses for the first time yes. last summer, mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved them all yes. winter. Mm-hmm. And now I see the new green coming up. Mm-hmm. And this is a dumb question, but do I hot, cut off all the dead brown stuff now and let the green grow? You can. You can. Um, you can just let it, you know, be careful that you don't cut into the green. Uh, but yeah, and any of the ones that haven't come back yet, they're a warm season grass. So go ahead and chop those back too. Uh, but yeah, there are some cool season grasses like your Calamagrostis, Carl Forrester, that is already starting to green up. So maybe a little earlier would have been good to cut those back. But yeah, just go ahead and cut them back and, you know, throw that brown stuff into your compost bin or put it out with the chickens. 
Great. Thank That's you. what I do with mine. I put it with the chickens. Yeah, you know, Brenda has chickens in place. Yes, oh, yeah. Has oh, yeah. Chickens, doesn't All everyone? over the place. Yeah. <laughs> in the living room. In the living room. <laughs> My cats love them. Yeah, yes, right? Yes. I bet they do. All right, Brenda, Thank thanks you. for thanks, the call. Brenda. Appreciate uh-huh. it. All right, let's go to Jim next. Jim is calling from Monticello. Jim, what's going on today? Hi, Jim. Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> what I've got, I've got a toka plum tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, it blossoms and gets fruit on it mm-hmm. and about the fruit gets to be maybe a quarter size or a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and then it starts dropping all the fruit when it's green mm-hmm. um so, so what you might be having is not a really good pollination going on there uh and and the tree might be um not getting as much nutrition as it needs and is it getting full sun Yes. Full okay. Sun. Full sun. Yep. That's good. Okay. So, so I would, I would maybe, um, if you want to, you know, top dress with a little fertilizer or some compost. Make sure it's getting water, and and even though you're seeing some some plums, it could be that it's not getting really good pollination. So there might you. It would be better to have another variety of plum nearby that can also. Um, uh, pollinate the the toka. Most plums do need the cross pollination. There are so few that are self fertile. I am. I wasn't aware that toka was one of them. Uh, but well, I think toka is a pollinator, and I've got yep. a black ice also. Oh, okay. So they are cross pollinating. Okay, okay. So you've got that going on. How does your black ice do? Uh, I good. Last year I got nice plums off. Okay, of it. okay. So I'm not quite sure then why the toka is dropping. Um, you may want to go to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and just look up plum trees, or even just say plum trees UMN at, right on Google and go right there. There may be some good reason. I, I can't imagine though why it's doing that. Um, if it if it's getting enough light and it's getting uh, cross pollination, obviously it is. So yeah, I'm not quite sure why it's doing that. But but I mean, fruit trees will have a June windfall where they will just abort some of the fruit because they can't carry it all. But you should be getting some plums off of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good luck. Hey, thanks Thank for the you. call. Appreciate it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple local lines open. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. We got a caller from Mankato. Didn't I say you Mankato a little Mankato minute ago? Could, call. And yeah. Bob listened, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to call." Teresa. Well done, Bob. What can we do for you? Hey, good morning. Thank you very much. See, I've got some raspberry bushes that I planted about four years ago. I have yet to ever receive a raspberry from it. The canes grow up really nice. They green up really nice. They get like little buds where they're going to make a little berry, and then they just stay that brown color and and never produce a berry. It's been four years now. That's so sad. That's sad. I know. It's sad. And And unusual, isn't it? Current bushes. Yeah. Yes, my current bushes do wonderful. Okay. Um, they, they they make berries, so I know they're getting pollinated. They're right, in the same location. Right. But I, I don't know if it's a disease or what, but not a single berry. Hmm, that is perplexing to me also. I would, you know, I'm not a raspberry expert, so I would go to the Extension website and see if there is sure. something going on with that. Now, raspberries are heavy feeders, so you may need to feed them a little bit. I think the currants are a little, sure. a little less fussy. But really, you should have been seeing wonderful crops of berries by now, um, and I'm not sure why that's, they that's aren't. Why they aren't? <laughs> yeah, why they aren't uh, greening up for you, and why they're why they're browning and dying like that. Are raspberries okay. pretty hardy? Raspberries are really hardy. They we usually have... tickle your yard. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, thanks, Bob. Thanks, thanks for Bob. calling from Mankato. Right. Yeah, um, thank you. Bye-bye. I had raspberries Bye-bye. at a house that I lived in in Golden Valley, and they mm-hmm. were just 
all over and yep. they produce so many exactly. raspberries. Yeah, that's usually the the problem that you have with raspberries is they are so rambunctious. I want to plant raspberries because I love fresh raspberries. They, they need sunshine. Okay, I'll look in my yard. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know me. All right, we're going to go to Gary next. Gary is calling from Lake Elmo. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Good morning. What can we do for you this morning? I'm wondering if you could recommend a variety of shade-tolerant clematis. I've tried a bunch, and it seems like once I have a shady spot that they just don't survive well. Is there a... Uh, a variety hmm. you'd recommend for uh, for yeah, the sure, sure. Um, there, there's a native one called Virgin's Bower. That one's quite, quite aggressive. Uh, has little white flowers in June-ish, July-ish. Really pretty. Um, also, you know, I've had really good luck with things like Jack Manny, Nellie Moser, Cardinal Rouge. Um, I've had really good luck with all of those in the shade. Um, they were under an elm tree, so it wasn't a deep, deep shade. It was a moderate shade. Uh, so I've had good luck with clematis. Now, if you're having clematis wilt, then you may want to look for look for clematis that are... Um, uh, resistant to the clematis wilt. That might be one of the problems. You're I, I, I haven't had a problem with disease. I've tried okay. Nellie Moser and okay. in my sunnier areas, mm-hmm. it, that's done okay. But mm-hmm. um, what was the first variety you mentioned? Um, uh, that was the, the Virgin's Bower. That's the native one. Okay. And you could try right. Sweet Autumn Clematis too. They're both very similar. One blooms in the autumn and that one's fragrant. Uh, that would work for you, but I would. I there's a lot of them out there that that do quite well. And Jack Manny, that's the okay. purple one. Um, it may not be as flowering in the shade, but people grow that well in the shade. So try that one. That's the purple one you see everywhere. That All one's right. really hard. Right. Thank you very much. You All bet. right, have a great day. Good luck. Listen, we have to take another quick break. It's eight forty three, but we have Bev in Minneapolis, Nancy, Chris, Rachel's calling from Cold Spring. So we have one local line. No, we don't. Just calling right now. (laughs) We'll take a break and come back with all your calls with Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. It is Smart Gardens on WCCO. All right, we're back. It is 848. Susie Jones in today for Denny Long. Teresa Rooney, a Master Gardener. It is Smart Gardens, and boy, oh, boy, do we have the calls, Teresa. Excellent. I am going to start with Nancy in Robbinsdale. Nancy, you're on the air. What can we do for you, Nancy? Oh, no. Where's Nancy? Let's see. We're going to take care of Nancy, and we're going to go to Bev. Bev, are you there? Hello. Hey. This isn't Bev. This is John this from is Bloomington. John. Okay. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Bev has a very deep voice. <laughs> okay, well, Bev, just, we'll get to I you just, next. Ladies, I just got up. I just tuned in. Uh, All right, John. Well, what can we do for you so bright and early in the morning? With our late spring, yes. uh, has it had a bad effect on the Japanese beetle population? I hope, I hope, I hope. No. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Oh. No. All right. No. Um, it, it, you know, unless we get some, it gets really, really dry or we get a deep, deep frost that kills the grubs. No. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Boy, that's a downer. I know, Sorry. right? Yeah. All right. We are going to go next to, this is going to be Nancy in Robbinsdale. Hi, Nancy. Hello. What can we do for you? Oh, I have slugs in my garden. Yes. And how do I get rid of them? Okay. So what you want to do is you want to do, um, so maybe try backing off on some of the water because uh, sometimes we overwater our plants. Okay. Um, if they're on certain hostas, uh, yes. you know, 
they like some hostas better than others, so plant the ones they don't like, the blue ones, the ones with thick leaves, the ones with really textured leaves. They don't like that as much. Um, Also, lay down some uh, damp newspaper or some boards in your garden right now, and then every few mornings, flick them up and look for slugs under there. You'll see little teeny tiny ones because there's eggs in the soil. As soon as they start hatching, put down some iron phosphate, which is also like under the names escargot, sluggo, or you can do use diatomaceous earth. I think the iron phosphate works a little longer. Um, and that will get your slug population down. You've got to get in there right away because every slug, or of the female slugs, can lay like a thousand eggs. So you can imagine wow. how exponentially your they slug populate, population can go. So if you just have one or two hostas that they go for, maybe move those hostas or send those hostas out to the curb to find another home or send them to the compost pile. Um, and then just plant the stuff they don't like. But do try to hit those populations early. Also, put in some bird baths. Um, the birds will all start to eat some of your slugs. Oh, okay. Um, if you have wood chips, the beetles in the in the in the wood chips will eat the slugs also. And then when you get things like skunks or um, I was going to say armadillos, opossums. Uh, Probably have, not. We don't this have far armadillos north. coming. <laughs> possums, um, possums and skunks will take the the slugs in the nighttime for you. Okay. So, um, do if I were to divide my hostas up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do that right away. Okay, so do the slugs kind of get in, in with the roots, and so you whoever could, yeah, takes... you Yeah, just wash the roots really well, Okay, and, um, and yeah, divide them. Um, do them right away before the leaves come up, but then you don't wreck the leaves. Okay. If you do it when the leaves are up, you wreck the leaves. It's not a big deal. You All can right. divide Thank your hostas you. anytime. You bet. Good Thanks luck. for calling, All right. Nance. All yep. right, uh, we are going to go next to Rachel, who is calling today from Cold Spring, Minnesota. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Oh, there you are. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, I have a question. Yes. On what? Teresa? Yes, I'm here. Okay. I have a a Boston fern, and I have it in an 8-inch pot, and I'm wondering, can I transplant that into a 10-inch pot? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, 9 or 10 inches. Um, Yep. You just want to go up one pot size, so you don't want a really big pot. Go up to it. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. All okay, right. and how about a, 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 I can't think of the other, I'm sorry, I can't think of the other name. Uh, what, uh, what kind <laughs> anyway, of, uh, another plant? Uh, yes, it's uh, C-Y-L-A-M-E-N, Clinamin, Clinamin, Silamin. Okay, yeah. Um, anyway. The, yep, you can transfer, if that needs, if it's getting pot bound, you can also move that up into one pot size or hi- size higher. Mm-hmm. All right, very okay. good. Okay. Thanks okay. for calling, dear. Good Thank to talk you. to you. you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to yep. Chris. Bye, Bye, dear. Uh, let's go to Chris next in Lakeville. Hi, you're on the air with uh, Teresa Rooney. Hi, Chris. Hi, good morning. Hi. Hi. I have two questions. Uh, I have a big cedar tree that's next to a pool uh, that really needs to be pruned, and I'm questioning if it's is now the time of year to prune that, or am I going to damage the tree? And the second part is we have a clematis out by our mailbox that starts beautiful every year and around mid to late July starts to brown from the bottom and by the end of the season it's kind of toast uh yep. is there anything i can do to treat that yep so the so the cedar go ahead you can trim that uh, do the minimal trimming that you need to do on that uh so you want to take off at the very 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 most 
a quarter of all of the 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 amount that you see on the tree. So yeah, this is this yeah. cedar is probably thirty foot tall. Yep. So just do the minimal trimming that you have to do on it to to keep it happy. And for okay. the clematis, they do like their roots to be cool. So it could be that it's getting too hot out there. Um, if it's by the mailbox, it could be that dogs are watering it, um, lifting their legs on it and browning it up that way. That could be an option that you're seeing. Um, I'm not sure what that would be. Usually a wilt starts at the top and comes down. So I'm thinking what you're seeing now is more environmental things. So maybe the roots are getting too hot, so it needs a heavier mulch, or um, or it needs something to put, to cool down those roots, or you're getting dogs watering it. Um, because they're oh. aiming for the they're <laughs> aiming for the mailbox, and if that's the case, um, you could put a fence out of like two or three feet away from the clematis, and, and then the dogs can't get right up to the clematis, but they can aim for the fence, and then uh. or a, or a rock or something, a, a decorative rock mm. or a decorative um, st- um, pole or something, a peephole, and and go for that. <laughs> if that if you think that could be the case, if 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 any of those um, come come to mind. A peephole, right, pee Chris. People. It's a pee rock. <laughs> yeah, it's a pee rock. And, right. You know, actually, it, people who have issues with, with pets wandering, uh, you know, and walkers, because yeah. we have a lot of dog walkers out there, you know, you can make it very decorative and fun. You can put a little pretend fire hydrant out there, or it could be the dog Facebook page or something, you know. Oh, my about, Lord. And, and you just make it so that that's where the dogs go, and, and they know where they're going to go, and that's where they get all their telegraph information from everybody else. And they're not here your other plants. There you go. All right, Chris, thanks for the call. Thank you. Thank right, you. We're going to go back to Beth. Remember, we we yes. lost Beth and hey, Beth in Minneapolis. What can we do for you? Oh, yes. Um, I have a problem with Creeping Charlie. Yes. I come over for the neighbors, and mm-hmm. this, uh, I'm having someone come out to redo my front yard, mm-hmm. and I will have to, I, what I want to do is have it all dug up and get rid of the Creeping Charlie, and then do a variety of hostas in a decorative way sure. and uh, mm-hmm. just put uh, uh, wood mulch or something on as a topper. But what what can I use to kill the Creeping Charlie that won't kill the hostas? Um, nothing. nothing. Uh, whatever kills the Creeping Charlie is going to kill the hostas. They're both broad leaves. So you'll have well, to manually dig it up. And what okay. I would suggest is um, putting between your neighbors and your garden, um, you know, a, a, the mulch, but leave it like a blank slate for like six to eight inches, just a blank slate there um, so that you can see when the Creeping Charlie comes over and you okay. can like remove mm-hmm. it more easily. And understand that because the neighbor has Creeping Charlie and it's probably let it gone to seed and it's gone into your yard, that your yard, when you dig up the soil, has a seed bank of Creeping Charlie um, seeds in there. So you're going to uh-huh. be bringing all those seeds to the surface so they're really going to start to grow then. So, yeah, well, it got there the yeah. by they had their lawn hired out and they brought it in. The guy brought it with his mower, and that mm-hmm. that does happen. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, you have to on a manual remover will work. It just you know keep pulling it. You just have to work at it, and it is something you just have to keep going at. Creeping Charlie, yeah. you know, and I would also go to the extension dot dot edu website and look at Creeping Charlie. It's a tough plant to get rid of. Um, sometimes, oh, wow. sometimes you just have to knock it back and say you're in that area and confined to one area. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Thanks for the well, call, Bill. I'll be out there digging. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. I have a neighbor who does lawn and garden stuff, and 
I asked him about Creeping Charlie. Uh-huh. And he said, why don't you just let it grow? It's exactly. a nice little ground cover. And I'm like. It's a wonderful ground cover. Yeah. It does get pretty flowers. And you know what? If you are letting it grow in an area and you do let it flower, as soon as it stops flowering, I would cut it back. So then it's not going to seed and it's not getting into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. And um and then and then just, you know, keep it in your little area. And come July, August when everybody else's lawn is brown up, your area will look so green and lush and uh, uh, it'll just look beautiful and lovely and celebrate those, celebrate, celebrate your creep. All right, we have yeah. so we have 1 minute left okay, and let's we have, talk. let's no, we can talk to Steve who's okay, calling Steve. from his cell phone and then we'll get your question in quick here, Steve. What's your question, okay. Steve? I've got geraniums that I keep for years, and I took them long, way too early this year. And now, because they haven't been outside much, they are long and spindly. Yep. I've never seen them look so bad. Yep. And I cut them back, or what do I do? Cut them back, and then carefully introduce them to the outside. Okay. Yep. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Good All right. Steve. Have a great day. So it is uh, 8.57. We have a couple seconds left. Anything you want to add before we um, wrap it up? Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab and look at me uh, the blog for Michelle Grabowski, Learning How to Get Good Plants. And then the Master Gardener, Hennepin County uh, plant sale on the 19th. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.